All right, we are live, sir. Wow. Back uh, from the shores of, uh, what the heck's that big lake called in like Bicentennial Park or by Disney, you know, where the hotels are around? Lake Buena Vista. Buena Vista, yes. Yeah, freshly yes. back. Lots of yeah. good stories? Uh, yeah, we had a good time, but good. Uh, this is, uh, I've been having spotty internet all day because uh, of this shit, Ian. Um, and they just canceled my kids' school for the next two days. Really? Yeah. That's like, I thought the on, forecast man. cone was way over in the Tampa it area. It is. It is. It's way over. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's silly. It's, it's really silly. Here we go. Which are. storm is this? Like, we're completely, Ian, we're completely out of the cone of uncertainty. Like, we're like, we're like not even in it. Like, you know, and it cracks me up because here in Miami from 92 from Andrew, you know, everybody freaks out every time a storm is anywhere close because Andrew wasn't supposed to hit Miami and then turned. Yeah. But, but that was 1992. You know, that's 30 years ago. The tech has dramatically improved since then. And they are really good at predicting these. It's like wow. everybody was panicking like three or four days ago. And I'm like, people, it is not even going to come close. So no, we're getting... And they never deviate down coming up on the west side like that. The only no. one that did, they got to spin around in that bathtub called the Gulf of Mexico for a while exactly. and then come across. So they got to come out of the Yucatan and come up that way. But exactly. yeah, this is like, you're right. This is like way, way. Yeah. You know, you have, mean, to have an Arctic front drop down and shove all that stuff sideways in 24 hours. And it's not going to happen. I don't I, see it I, coming. The yeah. only <laughs> thing that might change it is over the mountains if it, over the mountains of Cuba, if it like chops up, but then it'd be weak as shit because the mountains broke it up. So, you know, it, it, it it's, it's just silliness. Yeah. It's, it looks like it's already, it's just coming. What is it just coming off the coast of Cuba right now? Yeah. Yeah. North? It's yeah. To, the, the eyes just about to break out. Well, this was 11 a wait. No. Yeah. This was 11 AM today. So it's probably already out over it. So yeah. And also I, anyway, when they, hit, when they hit that Gulf water, like you said, that water's warm and yeah. shallow. Compared to the ocean, yep. so it spins them up. That's yeah. what you Oh no, it's no, they're hmm? saying they're saying potentially category four when it hits Tampa, and Tampa Shoot. hasn't had a bad hurricane in in a hundred years. So I saw all that. I saw that quote. I was so surprised because I was thinking about Wilma and Katrina, and I guess they just glanced Tampa and you know took out Sarasota yep. and Naples and all of that exactly. But, exactly. Huh. It's hard for it to make that cut in. You know what yeah. I mean? So because. Uh, you know, Tampa's right here. So anyway, uh, so I've had spotty internet all day. You know, we're having our normal neighborhood flooding shit that we have, but yeah, it's, it's just, you know, the normal stuff. So Eamon asked if we're okay down there. Yeah, we're good, man. We're, we're like a whole lot of nada down here. So yeah, the most important um, hurricane preparation tool. And I was giving us when Sandy was up in Jersey and New York, I was giving it to people and everybody's like, what's the most important tip? And I'm like, fill your bathtub up with water. Yeah, before you lose the power, because you're gonna need something to flush that toilet. Buy a when generator. Ladies around, they're not gonna go for that. So yeah, you want to make sure you buy, got water. Buy a generator or the new Ford F one fifty, which will charge your, which will run your house for uh, three days, two to three days on the on the batteries in that bad boy. So, Are you kidding? Me? No, you can run your house for two or three days on the top of the line model. Yes, definitely a toilet paper <laughs> arbitrage opportunity, Chuck. <laughs> Welcome back, Chuck. Except my wife goes and buys like six cases before every hurricane. So, you know, because she went through Andrew. So 
yeah, water heater, yeah, drinking water right. reserves. Yeah. Water is important. And then, um, you know, some kind of generator, uh, we have a full blown one. And then we have, I have one of those big fat brick batteries that'll charge, you know, everything in the house in a small refrigerator. So yeah. anyway, uh, that's the big news for the day. No, but the big news for the day was this story you sent over. Yes. Uh, Costco Contrary CFO. to a variety of opinion, Costco is guaranteeing the buck fifty hot dog forever. I, I love that leading indicator that Jay Powell uses and the IMF and a bunch of other people. <laughs> well, Costco he needs some new indicators. It's the I ultimate stable you. coin. It's the ultimate yeah. stable coin. Everything I'm reading is just trashing Powell right now. Just like trashing him for his lagging fucking data and indicators and not. Yeah, you know, you know I saw that article you put up and. It's kind of, you know, and so he trashed them for what he's doing. And you read down and what he's really complaining about is that he didn't cut soon enough, you know, yeah. and let it run. And I kind of that economist article you put up, I don't know who yep. it was, I can't remember. And I'm like, you can't, you know, it's kind of hard to do 2020 hindsight criticizing. I mean, it's it's easy to say, but if you go the other way and he took the they took the foot off the gas sooner, then who knows what would have happened? Yeah. So, you know, you can't have the pandemic. I mean, that just freaking doubled everything. So yeah. how can you, you know, unwind what at least nine trillion that's on the Fed balance sheet, four and a half trillion, nine trillion total and all the other stimulus. You just can't pull all that liquidity out of the economy painlessly. No. Um, so yeah, I, don't, look, I, I, I think I, he's standing still here, though, just so you know, I think he stopped. You think he has? You think he's done? I think that's going to do the balance he, sheet now. Because he said he was said more was coming right by the end of the year in that last but, speech. But you last know what's week. weird? You know how we always talk about expectation management, and yeah, if that's, that's he's true. putting out all this draconian messaging, then everybody who hasn't gotten their shit together, rebalanced their portfolio accordingly, institutional ones. I'm talking to mostly. You better do it now. This is like your last warning. Yeah, yeah. And so you know. I think he's injecting that level because obviously, um, you know, the fear of 75s and hundreds isn't really destroying anything. It's not shutting down demand, but everywhere you look, you see it just starting to go over. I put something up on housing price growth. It's retracted from up 18% year over year, which is just crazy number. And it's the growth is slowed to 15.7 year over year price wow. appreciation. I mean, wow. If that's not a screaming red like indicator, I don't know what is. And not the decrease in price. That's that's actually the good part. But the runaway prices in real estate, um, that's that's a tricky part. So, you know, you got to stop it everywhere. And, yeah. you know me, I don't want the wage earner who's barely hanging on because of inflation and everything else to be the one who gets fired. I want the portfolios to eat it. You know, you got the benefit of all this stimmy funding and all this uh, quantitative easing. You know, did you really think it was going to go up for 14 years plus forever? It's just crazy, man. Yeah. I, My opinion. I, I, yeah. Look, I mean, you know, I would like forever and always. Uh, Eamon said, did you see the YouTube video I Twittered? Jay Powell talking CBDC with yeah. uh, Bank of France hours long, though. So I've got it up on the screen right now, four and a half hours long. Um, I will put a link to it in the show notes. Thanks for that one, man. Appreciate it. Um, that that looks interesting, although I don't have four hours of Yeah, of he talks about there's one thing I saw coming off of someone where he's talking about um the US CBD coin would not be anonymous. 
No, of course can, not. I'm like, well, okay, thanks for confirming it, but we yeah, thanks for confirming your what it was going to be. Try to control the population not like with your CBDC coin. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's brutal. It's ugly, and it it just look. Even if the people in charge today don't fuck with you, there's always the chance the next guys will, and that's the problem, right? You you can't. There is no way we can trust a centralized government to have that be our our primary money for from a tracking and blocking and controlling perspective. I mean, we'll have it and it'll be there, but it won't be my first choice. So, you know. Well, you know, it's hard when you're trying to make the money versus trying to preserve the money. When you already have the money and you're just trying to preserve it, you know, you go in with the program, basically, you know, you're betting the pass line. <laughs> you're going with it. If you're like, you know, trying to make money and you're scrapping around, trying to get ahead, then you're not going to want to go that way because right. the returns aren't there, you know, but you're going to take more risk, i.e. potentially get it lost and high risk stuff, but you might make it. So, you know, to me, I think it's always a balance. Yeah. You know, you keep your like shit that you can't lose, you know, um, somewhere where you perceive it to be as risk-free as possible and then everything else you play with and you anchor it with some decent, you know, high single digit yields and fixed stuff. And then in crypto, you, some percentage of that, I'm 5%. I mean, I think you're going for it in my mind. And even if you have a ton of money and unfortunately when you don't have a ton of money, you tend to be going for it a lot more, but you know, that's what makes it exciting, I guess. Eamon says, just really interesting to see how the central banks are thinking of regulation. He had very realistic expectations on the fact that you, they can't really regulate decentralized smart mm. contracts. Well, at least he's at least he's figured that part out. That's good news. That's good news. Yeah, um, think, you know, I think where they're going to end up in the end. Great point, Eamon, because how do you regulate all of this? Um, particularly when you kind of weren't paying attention for some amount of time, it appears. And now all of a sudden, a total ton of attention. I mean... I think it's going to go back to what they said at the very beginning, you know, the on-ramps and off-ramps. And so, you know, like if you have stuff in the, let's say, crypto system, let's just say, let's do Bitcoin easier. If you have stuff already in there, you're already in, you know. And I guess that all the Fed cares about is if somebody's showing up somewhere with a couple dump trucks of uh, dirty money and turning it into Bitcoin, which we know doesn't really happen. No, um, in any it's next to impossible. Yeah. yeah, I mean... It just doesn't happen. So once it's in, then I think you're already clean at that point, you know, and amnesty everybody or whatever you got to do at that stage, because yeah. their goal is to bring it into the system, um, you know, so that they don't risk, you know, like, well, it's, you know, I'm not going to pick on Doquan again, but, you know, they don't risk $45 billion goose eggs or Madoff, a $50 billion goose egg or China and their real estate sector, a $30 trillion goose egg. You know, yep. it's like, that's what they're trying to avoid. And so as long as there's small ones, I think that's just market beware, caveat emptor and all that stuff. Nobody's really going to freak unless you're hustling people and there's nothing, there's no there there. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're just stealing. Um, but if there's a there there and, you know, it's there's small, there. I kind of get the feeling they're not just from common sense. How can you look at all of it? You know, you can't. They, so. they can't. They can't. They so they're going to let the some of this stuff go, is my read. L- Niblet says, why turn dirty money into BTC when you can just give it to HSBC, who will also take the hink- heat if things go sideways and pay the fines? That's a great point. 
You know, yeah, Nibbles. It's like some countries, you know, there aren't really financial crimes. You know, there is no, uh, how do I put it the right way? Once you have the money, you have the money. United States is an example because all they do is get fined. I, I mean, nobody's going to jail for financial crimes at, at the big banks. No, I'm thinking more of like, uh, yeah, HS. Okay, I see where you're going. I was thinking more like um, how, you know, um, I don't know, I'm trying to like segue into that point. Is that when these, like in Switzerland, well, I'm not, I want to say Switzerland, but I don't know if that's the country or if that's right, but a basket of them, you know, you can show up with that suitcase of cash and they'll take the deposit. <laughs> so just because it's not, not everything that's illegal in this country is illegal in all those other countries. Right. Probably yeah, the that ones that sense. are considered cash. Absolutely. Places to securely keep it, I guess. But so, you know, they don't have the same benchmark, but you walk into a U.S. bank with a suitcase full of cash. I mean, hope you brought your toothbrush. Yeah. So, uh, Niblet says HSBC paid $2 billion in fines for laundering cartel money, price of doing business. Yeah. yeah. And it is. And, it, and look, our fines here for the big institutions are basically bribes, right? I mean, they're not before the fact, but they're after the fact. We did this. We made a shit ton of money on it. And yeah, now we'll pay a fine. And it doesn't matter because it's a, a slim percentage of all the money we made from doing that business. So yeah, it's like, shit. look, we just want to say that the board is extremely sorry that you caught us. So now <laughs> we're going to pay the fine. <laughs> so this is where I was this weekend. Uh, this is uh, Halloween Horror Nights. It's at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, which is now about to get hit with nice storm. Mm. Um, but this is a place where you go in and there are 10 or 11 uh, haunted houses and they all are themed usually around movies or historical horror characters, etc. And this year I would put it on a scale of probably of all the ones I've been to with my son. It's our annual tradition. I would put it at like number three or four in scary, but in terms of production levels, they had a Halloween house, the Halloween, the movie house. And mm -hmm. they re so these are created in um, uh, movie studio sets warehouses whatever the words are for those and it was you were in the fucking movie the production level was so high they recreated the house and you were in the house and they everything about it all the big scenes from the movie were there and that was true of all of the sets it was absolutely uh really amazing and there was one that i wanted them to turn into a game um, that happened in the New York City subway system and you felt like you were in subway cars and it smelled like you were in subway cars. Um, and it was this uh, post-apocalyptic, cannibalized society all living underground in the subway system. And it was absolutely insane. But I wanted to, somebody to turn that into a VR game because it would be incredible. Anyway, everything felt more realistic than ever. So if you're looking for a fun thing to do around Halloween with your kids, um, this is, and you're in the States, this is absolutely top of the list recommendation. I got a new episode out, Joe. Those guys sure. I talked about last week at Robo Vault, uh, Sam, yeah. my interview with him, um, Delta neutral strategies, really nice conservative yields right now. They've been upwards of 60%. They're hovering around eight to 12% right now. Um, they've got a really, um, solid automated system that uh, avoids impermanent loss can handle huge amounts of money piling into it. One of the things I told them is that I really think they should um, 
uh, after they're, they've launched some new things on Avalanche with it, that they should um, really look at uh, treasuries of protocols and projects to come into this, as well as institutional money, because it's these nice, conservative, delta-neutral, fairly safe strategies. That's not financial advice. Anything could happen. Smart contracts can hack, uh, yeah, you know, the whole bit. But uh, really impressed with this team. Um, both of them, the founders are developers. One of them is a data guy as well. Um, Sam's background is embedded healthcare systems. So the code is tight. Um, really, really impressive, uh, uh, guy and, and team and project. So, uh, everybody should keep an eye on them. Check them out at robo-vault.com. But first listen to this episode, cause it was a, a really good interview. We, we touched on a lot about what it was like for them. They've only been in DeFi for 18 months, what it was like for them adjusting and getting to know and how much the community, uh, welcomed them. The developers in the space welcomed them and, um, Really good story. So take a listen. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm looking at their team. Nice team. Yep. Um, great partners. Yep. Um, yeah, this is, they got to, sh- looks, looks good, man. I mean, speaking of, speaking of partnerships and biz dev, fucking Polygon just keeps knocking it out of the fucking Yeah, park. that's huge, dude. That one's huge. I mean, nobody, nobody is competing with this team. Like, just, I'm sorry. There, there is nobody in the space that can compete. Not a single chain, not a single protocol can compete with this biz dev team. It's just fucking unbelievable. And they have the developers to deliver on the partnerships. Like here it is, you know, Robinhood's Web3 wallet beta is live exclusively on Polygon. Like that's like the number of wallets that can come in from this, the amount of coverage that'll come from this. The volume that can come from this is is just tremendous. It's um it's a really really big move, and they never stop. I mean, what was the news last week? What the gaming company that they partnered with? Every week, another big fucking announcements, and they're not vaporware announcements. They're not someday we'll have this announcements. There we already did this announcement. Yeah, they're hard announcements. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's um I. I I don't know. I got to tell you, if I was another layer two provider or even a chain, I would at least be trying to emulate what the fuck the Polygon team is doing because they're killing it. You know what I really like about this? 22.9 million Robinhood users exposed to DeFi on Polygon. I mean, exactly. that's it right there. That's it. That's it. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Now, I'm sure Polygon will add other networks, but First on is on Polygon. So, well, yeah, but this impressive. is the thing. From looking at it from the Robinhood perspective, that you know now they got another some more product to give their their customers. You know, these are the guys that did all the GameStop and all that, right? These are the yep. the stonkers or whatever we were calling them. Yep. So they're all jonesing. And I mean, <laughs> it's like you know, stocks versus crypto volatility. I mean, if that's your Jones, you know, they got all the product you can handle over here, right? So. Niblet said, I've been on project discords where the team thinks biz dev is a feature list. So many don't get it at all. Mm. This is everything right now. We are at the beginning stages. If you're not focused, somebody on your team that has experience setting up integrations, setting up deals and making them, you're, you're not going to make it. I'm sorry. You, you're just, you've got to have this focus. You've got to be making deals, not only with other DeFi protocols, but outside of fucking DeFi, you've got to start putting yourself out there. And if you treat it secondhand like Niblets is talking about, you're you're really not going to get out of this bear market. Th- this is the time right now. You build this shit up. You build a moat around what you're doing. 
and you and you can really have tremendous success coming out of the bear market. But you got to mm -hmm. do the work. You got to be prepared to have the developers on hand to do the integrations. You've got to be prepared to work with big players and understand their needs and their demands, how to negotiate the deals, how to present the deals. I mean, I don't know. I, well, I'm yeah. Just, well, one other thing is you on top of all of that, you also have to understand the strategic the strategic landscape. Who's your competition? What are they doing? What's the yeah. user base? How much can we sell them? What's revenue per product? What's click through? You know, every metric you can think of, you have to measure. But the important thing is you gotta have a strategy. You can't yeah. just come up with BD out of nowhere. Oh, let's go sell more. No, you gotta have you a can't. very specific no, I'm not saying you. I'm yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. You know, it's you like you have to integrate it into your overall business strategy. Yeah. And then execute on the highest margin segments within that strategy, those revenue lines that have the highest return on investment or the return on equity. That's where you focus first. To me, this deal is, like you said, Brad, it hits all of those 22.9 million users. I mean, yep. that that already junky trade stocks, you know, it's right. like and, turn and, loose here. It's going to be crazy. So and then what is Robin? What does Robin Hood start looking at next? What what do they look at? They look at on-chain secure, securitized tokens. They start looking yeah. at synthetics. They say, "Wait a minute, I can I, like look at look at fucking G Trade. They're on Polygon now. They're also launching on Arbitrum, but they're they're on Polygon. Guess what? Robinhood could immediately offer synthetic trading on stocks, forex, and crypto, and do securitized token offerings. I mean, there's so much. And if you're the first one in the door, if you're the partner that built the infrastructure for them, guess guess who gets the business." Right. The, well, Polygon gets the business. Yeah. And, you know, you brought up a really good point, Brad. I was just thinking that, you know, with the synthetics, like, you know, if you have synthetics, I mean, that, uh, of course, there's going to be regulators have a lot of say in here, too. So I'm just, you know, wishing. But if you have synthetics that you're used to, you know, stock traders used to doing and all of a sudden you can basically park a share of a company and get tokens, synthetic tokens of that company in return, get yield on that park share. And then take those tokens and put it into a DeFi liquidity pool or something else or single stake yields or whatever, vault it and get more yield there. So you're taking and they're all trading within and then maybe take all that shit and do a curve type thing with, you know, one share of Tesla and one share of, I don't know, Amazon. And, you know, you have these baskets out there with yield and these hybrid pools. I mean, once that happens, I mean, it's still tokens because, you know, you're tokenizing it, synthesizing it. But. It just is in the same vocabulary that all these other people understand. Yeah. That, you know, well, don't come in other, and go, what's Bitcoin? They come in, oh, it's Tesla. Oh, okay. The, the, <laughs> other, great thing, the other great thing about synthetic stocks, not parked stock shares, but just synthetic stock trading is it is in the United States, and I'm assuming it's similar in other jurisdictions, it's a fucking nightmare to day trade stocks. Like if you don't trade and prove like, I don't is it 25,000? 25,000 balances, whatever. So if you're small time and you're trying to day trade stocks, you can't do it in the United States. They shut your account down because legally they're required to prevent you from trading more often because of the day traders that got burned in .com. Yeah. So, so now I don't agree with the nanny state of that regulation, but that's what we have and that's where we are. But in this case, you know, synthetics are an option. Anyway, my point is, is that Polygon is positioned to be the primary partner and onboard for Robinhood's 22 million users into DeFi, into mm -hmm. NFTs, into GameFi, into Metaverse. And then what does that do? That makes Polygon now go to game companies and go to 
other DeFi protocols and say, come over to Polygon, metaverse companies, NFT companies, big players doing NFTs in the traditional Web2 space. Come to Polygon. We've already got 22.9 million Robinhood users, plus the other however many millions we have of our normal users, right? You leverage this deal into the next deal. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's. I mean, you, you got to stack these deals. They have to be real. They have to be solid. They have to be actually happening and functioning, but you stack the deals on top of each other. Once you got one, you can leverage it into the next level and the next level and the next level. So, and, you know, it's the same in M&A too. You know, like we have one of the companies I advise, we have about like five deals that are in process right now. Various stages, you know, term sheets are signed on all of them, but, you know, they don't all close. Yep. So you have to have that stack up. So you always, so you're not sitting there to your board going, Hey, what happened last quarter? Oh yeah, we fucked up three deals. that didn't close. You know, yeah. you want to have enough so you can go to the board and say, "Oh yeah, we onboarded thirty million customers from Robinhood." Oh great, exactly. There's a pay raise. You know, exactly. Like, on to the next thing. So I'll tell you a quick story. In the in the '90s, I worked for a company that made technology uh, that was for tracking printer usage. Uh, and copier usage for attorneys to bill their clients. And then corporations started using it to track their costs, et cetera. Anyway, we built, my partner and I, one of my partners and I came up with a standard based on a technology called XML that was not even uh, an approved standard yet to make it so that all printers communicated the same way so that we would make it easier on us and the products we were developing, we created this standard. So right now, all of the printers that you use on your network are all using this language that we created, right? So mm -hmm. every printer you buy, that's how it prints to your Wi-Fi network, right? So I wanted to get every one of those major printer and copier manufacturers on board, right? And I knew that I couldn't go to HP and Xerox and say, hey, we're this little tiny $20 million company here in Coral Gables, Florida, you should do our standard, right? So what we do, we started with the smaller guys. We picked smaller, mm -hmm. specialized copier and printer manufacturers. Uh, Canon was kind of hurting at the time. So we helped, we went to them and we had a good relationship with there. We sealed a couple of deals with them and then we could go up the chain. So that's what I'm talking about, right? You start at the lowest level, you close the deal, you make it, you implement it, and then you go up and you leverage that into the next deal. And you go to the next highest player. By the end of it, we had everybody. We had HP, we had Xerox, we had Canon, we had IBM, we had Microsoft in on the deal. Everybody was in on the deal because the other guys were in on the deal. It's just like VC deals. You get the one early guy the low guy, but he has a relationship with a mid-sized VC firm. You close him and then you close the mid-sized VC. Then you go up the chain all the way up till you get the big name you want. So all I'm saying is, is, you know, Polygon's beautifully positioned to leverage this. Um, but this is the way that any protocol can build partnerships. Start small, go to the next level. So anyway. Absolutely. Hey, Kathy um, has a question for you. Uh, hey, Kathy, robo-vault.com. <laughs> Kathy asked, I'm new to trading. How can I make more profitable investment without incurring more losses? Uh, nobody can guarantee that you won't incur losses. This is not investment advice, but the guys I just interviewed, if you go to missiondefi.com forward slash robo-vault, um, you can uh, take a look at a protocol that is very conservative, is delta neutral. Um, and compounds what you're earning. So I would uh, I would give them a look. They might be what you're looking for. All right, Joe. Uh, this is the uh, here, this guys. was that I'm here. this I'm here. this was that article we were talking about. Um, 
where uh, this professor Jeremy Siegel is saying that he's making one of the biggest policy mistakes in the Fed's 110-year history, and it could lead to a major recession. Well, I think we know a recession is is part of what's going to have to happen with these inflationary tactics, right? I mean, you got to slow down the economy in order for inflation to reduce. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So, um, oh, not I'm not a big fan of the man, but Gavin Newsom uh, this weekend or last week. Uh, vetoed a bill that would have implemented the same kind of stupid ass standards that New York State has uh, for licensing crypto firms. And he was mm -hmm. like, nope, nope, we're vetoing it. And it's too important to our economy. It's too important to the world. We want to be a leader in it. Because he knew that if, um, if they passed it, everyone would leave California that's in crypto. So um, brilliant move on his part. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Gavin Newsom, but um, really smart of him to veto this and we should all applaud it. We should do it on the right or the left, whatever you agree with or don't agree with. What did Niblet say? Kathy, just because the project has dropped 95% doesn't mean it can't drop another 95%. Dangerous days out there. Be safe. Absolutely. Niblet. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, that's one thing. Sorry. I had to run away for a second when you were talking, given, talking to her, but you know, you can never expect that just because it's at less than a penny, it can't drop another 95%. Exactly. And so you have to, you know, one of the things I always talk about is figure out how much you're going to go in with and then breaking it into chunks. Yeah. So whatever you pick, you know, you're coming in with, say, I was going to allocate 100 to that. You come in with 25 first, see what happens. If it yep. goes down that 95%, well, then you buy more, obviously. But, you know, be nimble. Don't go all in and, and just play safe um at this point but yeah. accumulate i think right yeah i mean look you can go to um uh, coindix.com c-o-i-n-d-i-x.com and look for single-sided staking so you don't have to risk per impermanent loss look for stable coin yields and make sure the projects in there that you're going to check out are you know big projects i mean mm -hmm. look look at the blue chip names you know you know the aves the yearns the those folks those those are the places you want to be um you know check out spirit swap they have a really cool process for um, earning on holding their in-spirit tokens and how much you can earn off of the fees that are coming through their their system. And I like those guys and I like the way they treat this as a business. So um, yeah. that's another that's another protocol to check out. But there's, look, the guys at Traders Joe, Trader Joe are doing on Avalanche are doing uh, fantastic work. They've got a, they've got all kinds of new standards built into their AMM, very powerful, very strong, lots of ways to earn on their, on their uh, native token for their project. There are lots of places where you can go put conservative money to work for you and, and you don't have to risk it. If you're really concerned and you trust Binance US or Coinbase or Binance.com, you know, those all offer staking yields that if you prefer to have your money locked into a centralized provider because you think it's insured and 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 better, then you know, go for that too. What you got, Joe? Um, no, Sean was saying do a basis trade on a credible exchange. Also true. Risk free returns. I mean, also, I think that yep. Kathy was more about new to crypto. I bet she's just look, you know, doesn't want to go buy some token go up. 1000 X and it doesn't, it go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm, I'm, I've started putting together lists and I'm just putting them up of stuff that I think is good. And I'm organizing it around like DEXs and uh, you know, further out DeFi, mainstream DeFi, things like that. And then my blue chip of my top 10 of all of it. 
um, that I think are just, if you're going in like this and not trading and you're just going to start, you know, coming in regular, buying little pieces of different ones, it's stuff like that, that I don't think you have to really, you have to think about everything because nothing got guaranteed to do anything that you want, but they're the ones that I think you're not going to get like big screw ups in. Exactly. Um, and, you know, these are ones like we talked, Brad was just talking about Polygon. You know, that's at like 75 cents right now or something. I mean, that was at 92 just a couple of weeks ago. It's yeah. as high as I think five. Was it at yep. five or was it at, yeah. So, you know, next cycle, that's going to logically, you think it should do something decent. So these are, you know, the kind of things you scale into gently. Yeah. And Kathy, listen, if, if from a trading perspective, you mean like day trading or like actively trading, swing trading, scalping, whatever, um, I would take the time to actually learn and understand more of it. Like I would send her to the material indicators telegram yeah. group, but, but, but that's, that's actually probably more advanced than where it sounds like she is. If she's just starting out on trading, you know, I, I would really recommend, you know, taking some courses online, the best, you know, there's some great, uh, uh Binance Academy has a ton of courses to help you understand the fundamentals of trading, right? Everything mm -hmm. from stop losses and take profit levels to swing trading, scalping, et cetera, go learn those concepts and find the strategies that best fit you, right? Crypto is 24 seven. You, once you start and you've got money on trades, you are going to find yourself at three in the morning trying to make a decision about whether to sell or not. Right. So yeah. don't set your rules, determine your strategy, set the rules, stick to your rules, and then you can um, have a better time doing it and not drop dead from lack of sleep. So anyway, hope that helps. Yeah. No, good advice. Good advice, dude. Or good, um, good guidance, good wisdom, good wisdom. Yeah. Uh, Cosmos chain is, is killing it and they need to hire away some of Polygon's biz dev people. Um, the, uh, they put out a new 27 page white paper. Uh, I've mm. only gone through these intern notes, but, um, they're, they're making all the right moves. They're getting a lot more attention. The guys at Delphi have announced that they're focusing on Cosmos. There's more things being deployed on chains, uh, off the Cosmos hub. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more and more. I mean, I have a lean there because mm -hmm. of the Canto stuff, but I'm leaning more and more and more to this chain lately because of all the interoperability it has. So this link's going to be in the, um, in the, in the note, but they have, they are also refactoring and I don't have the details on this yet, um, but they're refactoring how the Atom token works so that there's more ways to earn from it. So I'm going to, um, I'll, I'll post this up after I've had a chance to read it through, but I will have the link in the show notes because I think the people at Cosmos are making the right moves. Um, and I like the fact that they're, you know, refactoring some of the things they're doing to make it better based on the things they've learned from being out there so far. What did Chuck say? Yeah. Someone should post this advice in a pinned comment on the Reddit forum. Thanks You're for volunteering. Fucking brilliant, Chuck. Thank you. <laughs> And actually, that's a reminder, everybody, uh, r slash mission DeFi. Please check it out and engage in the conversations over there. Um, I forgot to put the last episode up, but I will do that. Um, let's Here, see what we got. Back to Cosmos. You know, we've been talking about Cosmos off and on a lot since like Pumptober. Yeah. Because, you know, when we we're looking at layer zeros or whatever we we're calling them back then. And the fact that these, you know, and everybody else is trying to do cross chain and everything else. These guys have been doing it all along. Yeah. So. I was always surprised that there wasn't more buzz about them 
And then, you know, like you, I dig in, I see them executing, I see interesting product, I see, you know, Kava, and I see, uh, well, my favorite SIF chain, um, or it was my favorite long, Erewhon, E-Rowan or whatever. Um, you know, there's just good stuff happening there. So to me, I mean, Adam has kind of moved up. I mean, I, I kind of got him above my FTM boys a little bit right now in my oh, mind after, oh, to where it can go. Okay, I mean. Okay. But I have I have them above Avalanche too, so don't get the wrong idea. Um, the only one I don't is you know that whole polygon, the whole layer two, layer one on ETH thing. There's some unique things there that I think um, are in their favor. Yeah. But other ones can catch up, and I see Cosmos as being one that can. Um, yeah. As others until they get cross chain and everything, you know, they're kind of a little bit behind in my mind. So yeah, I, I love seeing you. these guys. Uh, FTX US won the auction for Voyager's digital assets. I read this and I read the press release and it doesn't, nobody says anything about what this is going to do for the people that have their shit stuck in Voyager. Um, so I don't know if they're going to announce that. They said they're going to put out more information about what it means for customers, but it's like, okay, if, if FTX US is buying all the digital assets, does that mean they're going to pay out customers the value of the digital assets from the cash they got from FTX US? And if so what if those customers want their assets and they don't want the cash because they didn't want to sell in the middle of a massive downturn for bear market? I, I don't. I, Voyager, a little sketchy. They're in, they're in bankruptcy court. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's bankruptcy court. There's nothing. They'll sort it out properly there. The judges will. So, you know, that kind of stuff where who gets what and everything that's not going to be up to Voyager or FTX. I thought what was interesting though, was I saw a blurb today that FTX had replaced its U S president. So I'm wondering well, if there's any fallout from this deal. I don't know. Maybe so. Nah, you know, you know what? Nobody's, they're not doing this size of a deal. It was uh, how much was it? I forgot how much it was. They're know. not doing 1.4 billion. That, that deal's not happening without Sam saying yes or no. Oh, no. I, well, of course, uh, but Sam doesn't dig into the micro details of every single deal. Yeah. So I bet yeah. something has creeped up along what you, to your point, those types of issues that, I mean, I'm speculating. I just saw that the head of it was getting replaced. So what's the reason? I don't yeah, think I don't it might be. Who knows? But, you um, know, it's, a, it's all good moves by FTX again. More good news on the decentralization front. Uh, new uh, RPC network, peer to peer RCPC network called Lava is launching. I'm going to try to get them on our show when you and I can talk to them, but you know me, I'm always, I want, this is a big hole in our ecosystem is, is the RPC networks. Um, they are way centralized right now at Infura. I want to see more and more companies, um, projects doing peer-to-peer uh, -peer RPC, having incentives for people to be nodes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, so glad, glad to see another one launching. This guy, uh, on the 1st of January, for five years, would buy every year the top 10 tokens on CoinMarketCap. And he's up, uh, I think it was 237%, despite the massive dumps he's taken this year and one other year. So, uh, yeah, 20, he started in 2017 and he was down shortly thereafter. And most of the tokens from then are not even in the close to the top 10 anymore. But he's up overall like 237%. So, you know, if you want to look at investing strategies, sometimes just a simple DCA, an annual DCA, no less, not even a, not even a weekly or monthly DCA, an annual DCA 
Um, I just found this pretty interesting. So I'll post the link in for so, anybody else. So wait, so is he holding those tokens the whole time or is he, he buying he new will tokens not here? Every year he buys another 10. He buys whatever the next top 10 are and he doesn't sell the old ones. Okay. And he's up 237% yeah. in five years. Yeah. And I think he's buying a thousand dollars worth every year. So five years, five grand, 237%. So what's he at? Twelve thousand something, thirteen thousand something. Yeah, I mean, like that's it's a simple strategy, and you don't have to really think about anything at all. You don't have to worry. The only thing I was oh, I'm sorry, that, it's one hundred dollars each year. Sorry, it's hundred dollars each year. Okay, yeah, he's just doing a test. But the thing yeah. is that, and he's not selling anything either, because I'd be selling. That's 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 what I kind of. Yeah, he's just doing know. a grand experiment. Yeah. I get it. It's cool. But that, you know, to the person who asked before about, you know, there you go. That's a sit and do nothing strategy. And it's yep. 237% in five years. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it sounds kind of not super attractive, but, but that's oh, the sorry. crypto world. Two, two, 224%, not 37%. Yeah. That's cool. Anyway, enough. very cool. Very cool. Um, you posted this up. Yeah, because we talked a lot about helium. Yeah, but there's a whole bunch of discussion in here about, you know, the the executives like siphoning off. You know, when they were saying different things, paying themselves bonuses and doing different things like that. I mean, it's not like it doesn't happen anywhere else, but yeah, or in fair, any other industry. Yeah, yeah, I thought we should give fair fair shake to this and see if you had heard anything about this. Uh, no, I think I just saw the headline when you posted it into our group, but um, you know, look. I, I did see something about the fact that it was from them buying tokens. So I don't, uh, the bonuses and stuff, that's a different story, but if they're buying their own tokens in their own project. And so now they have, if they're concerned that they have a controlling interest of the token votes or something, yeah, that's a concern, but anybody else could have been buying their tokens. It's not like, you know, and, and it's to me that says something about how much they believe in, you know, in the project. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not yeah, it's about disclosure. Sure. These are just disclosure issues that they're bringing up. So you expect more of this. Oh, it was insider pay. bounties. And what they're basically saying is because the hotspot owners weren't making anything, that these insiders shouldn't have been making anything. So and like said, half I, of them, half of them, half of those hotspot owners were in, insiders. They were relatives and company ah, members. Gotcha. Gotcha. I gotcha. Well, you know, yeah. again, just something that everybody should be aware of. Yep, I don't absolutely. look at it as being anything horrible compared yeah. to you know other stuff. It's not like they stole the money. Yep. So uh, Tribe Dow, which was uh, Rari and uh, oh my god, I'm having a brain fart. The uh, guys that you deal with, Rari and Faye. Um, yeah, Faye. that was the combined uh, group. Um, the Dow that governs both of them, uh, basically they're shutting down, and they they. Um, um, Olympus and Frax uh, provided incentives to token holders to delegate their votes to them so that they would get fully repaid because the original plan was that they were only going to get pennies on the dollar and they took over the vote basically with delegated votes uh, took control. And uh, so everybody's getting paid back. Uh, they're doing the token exchanges now. There are still some existing tokens that are available to people. So if they swap now, they're not going to get um, the other tokens that are in the treasury, I guess. But um, 
anyway, uh, if you hold, uh, there is an opportunity to get some of your money back. So take a look and check it out. Always good. Uh, another Bitcoin um, mining, crypto mining data center um, declaring bankruptcy um, owes up to half a billion dollars and the CEO is stepping down. You know, again, what what were you spending money on, dude, on the on the all time high run up? Seriously. I mean, I mean, maybe they were just trying to expand and buy more equipment and just thought it was going to last forever. But I'm just I'm flabbergasted with the miners. I'm just I I I guess it's you look, it's I guess I shouldn't be shocked. It's the easy money. The money's pouring in. You're spending it. You're buying fucking Ferraris, whatever you're doing. And I'm not saying they were, but um, I, I just have such a hard time understanding how many of these miners do such a shitty job of uh, managing their money? Well, you know, remember the other dot com? There were a couple of clients of mine that went out and did like $2 billion raised secondaries on the market. Um, and then everything tanked and they were sitting with a couple billion dollars in the bank. Um, and they didn't spend it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. They held on to it and waited for the right yeah. thing. And, um, you know, and then they were in a position to where when it was right, you know, and you were getting value accretive type acquisitions and money and deals. Then they went and made their moves. Yep. I could see in this situation they were probably, you know, running too close to that Bitcoin price line, so to speak, you right. know, where, you know, kind of red, like, a you know, when you're shifting in a car and you're redlining that before you drop into third. Um, it's that same kind of thing where um, they're getting too close to the price. And when the price is dropping, then their production costs are higher than um, their revenue line. And right. but then they start expanding at the wrong time and bringing all this capacity on when prices are still dropping. And then you're screwed. So I would yep. think in a minor, I mean, I would think you use the same kind of strategies that we talk about for trading and investing. You know, you, if you're going to come online with whatever level of capacity, let's just call it 100 um start with 25 raise your money hold your cash don't start right. buying more rigs until you get somebody who's going bankrupt and selling them at 95 percent off those are the right. rigs you buy and then don't get caught up and you know listen to your investors saying where's my returns and you know they're too stupid to look at the price of bitcoin dropping to figure out where the returns are <laughs> you know it's like exactly. exactly it just doesn't um it's just not a good move and this is just basic business 101 yeah. Um, something's wrong with their financial model and their projections. So they were not accurately able to forecast cash flow. So they yep. weren't accurately able to forecast debt service amounts or anything like that. And who knows? They probably, these notes were probably structured all to the benefit of the, of the investors or lenders too, because if they're messing this up, they probably messed that up as well. Makes sense. The, the new Kraken CEO basically saying, fuck you to the SEC. <laughs> I guess he's not in the U S <laughs> it's a u.s company uh he says do not plan to register with the sec because none of the tokens they trade are securities so he's going to define it for the sec well he's doing the same thing that gary gensler does when gary gensler goes everything's a security oh exactly. yeah 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 and then this guy's gonna say well nothing's a security and exactly. so it's, it's great that's that's where yeah. that's where you want a posture because then you come together and let the fucking whomever figures it out at that point right. the litigators yeah exactly exactly but you so, don't come in like conceding shit out of the gate going yep. yeah well i think uh yeah we're gonna register because probably half our shit's securities 
Yeah. You know, you say, I'm not registered because nothing's a security. Exactly. Exactly. But, Come find you know, we're, we're a U.S. company. We comply with everything. We file and, our papers. We register. We do all of it. Yeah. And look, at this point, Kraken is, Kraken, Kraken is big enough and had enough money that they're at the, yeah, let me pay the fine stage. Right. So yeah. they, they don't they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. But Joe, the important that's... thing, Brad, is that you say what the way you say it is that, you know, this is where when these people come up and don't and come up with a strong response position or a strong articulate, a strong first position, it helps get to that point that we all want, which is, you know, what are the rules? Yeah. You know, so I'm glad this is a I mean, I, I think he's probably going to pay the price is my guess. <laughs> but, but, you know, his theory is right. You know, yeah, I agree. Going to I agree. So. Niblets, by the way, said about the miners, it's literally a money printing business. How can it fail? It is yeah. literally a money printing business. It's literally and then some that. of the stuff that we, that Sean taught us is that I think it's almost the hash rates reset automatically or something like that. So you're almost yeah. always producing at a profit. Exactly. Exactly. So it has to be expansion capital overpaying bloated infrastructure all the traditional stuff it it really shouldn't be just that the price went down and that's why we can't make any money exactly um, so i'll dig into that more see what's going on that's all i got but, for today joe you got anything no, it's all 50. no not really uh cool I mean, there's so much going on but i think that it's to me, like, you know, we saw ETH, BTC was up about 5%. I think ETH was up five earlier. I think it's a couple points now up. I mean, percentages, you know, and I see stability, although I saw a little bit of selling off later morning, but nothing too onerous. I, I kind of feel like, you know, with our pumptober coming up that we might be seeing the first inklings of whatever that last little rally is before the, the final V correction. Um, so I'm kind of just sitting there biding my time, being patient you know, watching and I'm not taking bites at anything right now um, that I have lots of just because I feel like that there's another chance to get it cheaper. Yeah. So but I'm not selling anything either. So I'm yeah, kind yeah. of in that sort of wait and see uh, right now, but, but I don't feel unconfident. You know, I feel positive. So Good. we'll see. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for watching and participating. Thank you, Sean, Niblets, Chuck, Kathy, <laughs> Welcome to the show, Kathy. Amen. Everybody that was here and participated, we appreciate it. Oh, market is tanking now. Really? That's what John just said. I'm checking look, now. Look what you did, Joe. Look what you did. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Didn't mean to tank the market for you. No, I'm looking at, well, hold on. This is a bookmark. Let's see where it uh, Let's see. Bitcoin 19. Yeah, Bitcoin's just, down. Yo, frig. Yeah, we just dropped ETH. it. Well, I mean, look, they both bounced. Uh, on it. So anyway, um, thank you everybody for listening and watching. We really appreciate it. Join us at reddit r slash mission DeFi. Um, love to have your thoughts and comments on the show, on the topics we've been discussing and any other things you see in DeFi that you think we should all be talking about or that we should bring up on the show. If you have feedback, it's always welcome. We love you and we appreciate you and uh, we'll see you uh, tomorrow. Joe, thanks very much. Thanks buddy. Thanks everyone. Look forward to chatting tomorrow. Stay safe. Be smart. All right.